you're listening to In The System, presented by Puck Preps. Each episode will bring you extensive coverage of the NHL's top prospects and exclusive interviews with the best in the business. Hello, everyone, and it is the, I guess, the afternoon after the World Juniors and the gold medal game. The U.S. defeated Canada 2-0, and Finland defeated Russia in the bronze medal game, and that was all for the 2021 World Juniors. And welcome to Episode 5 of In the System. I'm your host, Rain Hernandez, and alongside with me, as always, is Kyle Watson and Patrick Tallon. And, boys, tournament's over. What's uh, What are the, you know, the initial thoughts, you know, waking up this morning after the tournament? I'm not, I'm not even mad. I'm not, like, I get like sucks. It sucks when Canada loses, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm super distraught about this because in a tournament that had a lot of blowouts and in my opinion, some, some games that weren't even that exciting. I think ending on what was the best game of the tournament, a really close game. I thought it, I, I just wanted some good hockey. We got it last night. Spencer Knight played unbelievable. And obviously I wanted Canada to win, but I just want some good hockey and that's, that's what we got. So. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Segrest said before the Canada game that Canada hadn't been tested, and, and I kind of shook my head at that a bit because, you know, we, we beat Finland and, and we beat Russia, the two teams that were in the bronze medal game, but I think he was right at, that, at the end of the day. We hadn't faced anyone, any team that was playing that well the way the U.S. came out last night, and um, especially we hadn't faced any goaltenders good as Spencer Knight. So that comment kind of holds true after the game. And, uh, yeah, I'm with Patrick. It was disappointing. Obviously, I'm a Canadian. I still want to see us win, but uh, it wasn't too tough to go like that. At least it was a really good game. I think it's really different for us, I guess, and I guess for a lot of people on Prospect Twitter because, you know, obviously we're Canadian at heart, but we follow these prospects and these guys, you know, 365 days a year or, you know, a year, and we're watching these guys every day. And, you know, on both sides, both on the Canadian side and the U.S. side, we're both in love with, uh, you know, the games they play, the skill sets that they have. So I didn't really mind that the U.S. won. And, uh, you know, I just wanted a good game regardless because, you know, that's what we really want as people covering the tournament. And to see that, it was it was really good. And, uh, you know, I sort of – I'm sort of okay with everything that happened in the gold medal game in terms of the U.S. Like, you know, the Zegers comments were okay because you spin facts. And I think uh, – you know, the mentality that they had, the, you know, that underdog mentality, it, it worked out for them. And, you know, they played one hell of a game and it worked out, you know, and they proved a lot of people wrong. And a lot of the, you know, Canadian fans before the games were just talking a lot of smack and how the U S didn't even belong to be there. And they just proved them wrong. And, you know, that's why the barrel was there. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, the barrel with you guys? Do you guys really care about it? I don't know. I, not really. Like you see it and you get irritated, but it's like, it's a good kind of irritated. Cause you get, that's just, that's just what hockey is. That's what any professional sports is. Um, I wasn't too triggered about it. I know people on Twitter, like some people were when like went on this tangent about how it's the most disrespectful thing. It's like, man, like if you're going to react like that, then that's, they, they did their job. When in reality it was just, it's a harmless joke. If Canada did that, I don't, I think we would be laughing and saying, Oh yeah, yeah it's really exactly. funny. So I don't know. It, it's just what they do. And I think, you know what? after people saying that Canada was going to just demolish every single team in the tournament, they finally were faced with a challenge last night and they didn't meet it. Like USA played better. I don't care if Canada outshot them. Like America dominated that game Mm -hmm. and they deserve to win. And you know, as far as the the barrel thing, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. Good for them. They play, they were the better team. And if they want to make stuff like that, like we know we'd be okay if Canada did it. So let's not, uh, let's not flip the switch just because someone else did it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's something like who's to say Canada would never do it. We'd never know because we didn't win gold medal. And yeah, I think you're right that the responses would be a little different if it was Canada. So it's something everyone's going to forget about in a week. Yeah, I really hope so because, you know, uh, you know, I was tweeting obviously some some pregame stuff before the gold medal game, and a lot of the comments are, you know, I think Canada's going to steamroll the U.S. I don't think the U.S. have a chance and, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, hey, like, you know, watch out because this 01 group is beyond special. They've actually, like, you know, had the upper hand in, like, recent tournaments and history uh, against, like, the Canadian 01s. You know, a lot of people bring up that, oh, you know, Canada 01s, uh, Dylan Cousins team won uh, the Helenka tournament. But in reality, the U.S. actually sent their B team. They didn't send the NTDP team that year. They didn't send Hughes. They didn't send Tigris. So that's why I thought the U.S. had the upper hand. They just had the better, uh, I don't know, the, the 01 age group. I always thought the U.S. side was a little bit better than the Canadian side. And that's why I thought that the U.S. might have a chance tonight. And they proved it. Trevor Zegers was the best player on the ice uh, last night. Uh, that top line there, you know, in the first period and the second period, they had numerous shifts where they couldn't get out of their own zone. It's the Zegers, uh, Turcotte, and Kaliev line. They were incredible. Uh, starting in, like in the semifinals as well, heading into the finals, it sort of took uh, Turcotte a while to uh, get his feet wet in the tournament, I guess. And he, he balled out. But uh, for, uh, you know, the question I have for you guys is, uh, if you were to pick someone outside of Trevor Zegris that, you know, surprised you the most on that American team, who, who would it be? Uh, for me, Matty Beniers, uh, by far. And uh, I, I saw a lot of people kind of saying that, you know, this was just, this was a gift to him because he didn't have Bordelot and other players there, but it's not like he didn't play well in the top six. He was second line C for the majority. I'm pretty sure all the tournament. And he looked like he belonged to be there. He played exceptionally well. He's physical. Um, I thought I want, well, I preferred to have Zegers with Caulfield, but I thought that they complement each other pretty well with, with Matty Beniers. I know we talked about that before, um, before the tournament, but uh, he was physical. He was engaging. His two-way play is perfect. He's a great skater. Like I thought he was just, just perfect for the States. And I feel like, you know, there were, I know, I know they missed Bordalo, but I don't think Beniers looked out of place whatsoever. And he's definitely someone that I, cause I haven't watched enough Michigan. Right. So I need to see more of him before I make more of a decision, but I was really impressed with him by far. Yeah, myself personally, um, I'm going to go with Berard. Um, even last night in the gold medal game, uh, he could have made it 3 nothing. And, you know, we talked so much about how much depth the Canadians had in our preview. We talked about if the top six could carry the States, but they did have a couple guys uh, in the bottom six, you know, uh, Bobby Brink as well, um, that contributed. And uh, I forget, is it Farinacci too? Yeah. Um, it looks fantastic. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, and, and Rain, I, I wanted to ask you because you're such a, a, an adamant follower of the development program. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a talking point, um, and we'll never really know how true this is. But when with Canada, you, you have a team of guys out there that have played together before at various international levels, but none of them have played together as much as these American kids. You know, they spent two years together and not not all of them, right, like Kaliev, but I'm just wondering if you had that 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 had an impact on to, on last night's game, like. Yeah, you 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 see it a little bit because uh, like I think I tweeted it last night about like what if Canada had like their own you know development team program like how how much that would impact, but uh, yeah, I think the chemistry that that main core has between Boldy, York, uh, Turcotte, 
uh, Caulfield, Zegras, and Knight. You know, they've played together three for three straight years, pretty much two, three straight years in that development program. And, you know, that the chemistry that they've developed and that relationship that they have, you can't really teach and you can't really, you know, replicate within a two week tournament. So that's why I sort of brought out that question with, uh, you know, what if Canada had that program? Because it certainly bodes well for international tournaments because you, you sort of see it because that top line, you know, they were dominant. And, you know, when you, ha- when you're playing together for so long, if you think about it, they, they've played numerous international tournaments together, U 17s, U 18s, U 18s, again, uh, multiple world juniors, you name it. But then they're also playing in the USHL circuit and they're playing 40, 50 games there. That's just so much experience and so much opportunity to develop chemistry. And you sort of see it. That's why I think in world junior competitions and like we saw it, we've seen in like the, I guess the past three gold medal games, 2010, 2017, and now 2021, whenever Canada and the U S play, you can see that, you know, the U S sort of have a, a little bit of a better mold together just because everyone in Canada, they're just, you know, put on a team together right away and hope for the best. Whereas the U S like they've, they've gone through the program together you know, they know the playing style that, you know, works for them and they're playing that. So that's why I think the U.S. sort of had the upper hand there just because of that extra experience. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I think a cool thing that we could discuss is, you know, what would, you know, a Canadian development program look like? Uh, do you think it would be effective or do you think uh, the CHL method of, you know, hopefully everyone just uh, develops there and then they work towards the development program? Do you think that could work for Hockey Canada? I like the idea. I'm not really sure how all the crossovers work with all the leagues, but I think to have people, to have that group of guys play for that long together, they go to a tournament together. That's so beneficial. And like you said, like if they're all coming from different teams, they're put on a team into a condensed training camp, into into a condensed schedule with a fixed set of teams they play. It's hard to mesh, but at this, on the flip side, I also think having all the pressure of being so dominant at other leagues before coming into the world juniors can also play a negative. We saw it last year with the States, one of the best rosters we've seen them have for, for quite some time. Um, Even though they won this year, I still think last year's was stronger, like all that pressure going into it. And then to come up short, I feel like because you're all together, there's the pressure to win. And I feel like overall, it probably would be good to have like some sort of Canadian development program, but I think there are pressures either way. But like you said, rain, if you're a bunch of Canadian guys coming together and you're just supposed to mesh, like it's hard to do. So I, I do like, I do like the idea of a, of a development program. Yeah, more, I'm, I think. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I think uh, like the situation that the U S had last year is, you know, there's a lot of pressure heading into this game. I think that's what happened to Canada this year, you know, heading into the gold medal game, they're already crowned as the champs and they're already crowned as the greatest, you know, Canada team Canada of all time. And I think it's sort of uh uh, affected them a little bit you know having that much pressure heading into the gold medal game it's like if you win you're the greatest team ever you know and it sort of backfired on them and to deal with that pressure in, in like a game that you know you only play once it's not a seven game series it's, it's a little rough to bounce back and I think that's what happened uh, to uh, Canada there uh, last night but Kyle did you think a development program would be cool to have for Hockey Canada or do you think uh, well I just wanted know, to say um, about the pressure you're talking about I mean, I'm sure it'll come out in, in the following months with interviews and articles, but mm-hmm. it, it's natural for everyone to get so fired up during this tournament. I mean, Devin Levi's numbers were unreal and the roster was unreal. Um, 
but yeah, you, you really do wonder, you know, how much these kids are reading and how much it's playing um, playing a role. And and I guess coaching has something to do with that to help the guys distract, get distracted. Um, but in regards to the development program question, uh, first of all, I, I don't think it would ever happen. I mean, I don't think so either. Yeah, that's why I said in the tweet, like, hey, like, I let me dream. Like, this could be a cool opportunity. I know it's not going to happen because the CHL is so strong, but I, I mean, I guess it could work because. Uh, you have the three big leagues, right? And you just get all your best draft eligible players that are heading into the junior leagues and you put them on a team together. And then they, they I guess one year they play in the O, maybe one year they play in BC. I don't know, but uh, I think it'd be cool, but I can dream, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're seeing how successful the program is going to be. I mean, you just have to look at 2019 and I guess the age group we're talking about right now, how many guys came into that program and they really do benefit from from the way that, they're not focused on winning. They're just focused mm. on, on development. Mm-hmm. And um, it is really scary. I mean, you look at the past 20 years compared to the years previously and, and how many stars are coming out of the States. And, you know, I don't really have a time on, on when they might overtake us. And I, I, as a Canadian, I still hold on to belief when we're producing guys like McDavid and Shane Wright that will still yeah. best them. But I don't know. It's starting to get pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, I'm regardless. I'm really excited. Like, uh, I sort of want Canada to be dethroned as the hockey Kings. Like as a Canadian, it, it sucks to say that, or it's bad to say that, I guess. But at the end of the day, I want this sport to grow as much as possible. And the U S is, you know, I guess one of the, it's, it's the biggest country in the world, like the most popular country in the world. And if you, if you, if they keep developing hockey players and, you know, continue to grow that sport, I think it's going to reach new heights. And at the end of the day, we want, you know, a parody in the sport, you know, a lot of, you know, countries competing against each other. And that's what makes the sport special. And that's why the world juniors is so special is because nowadays it's not just Canada's going to roll through everyone, eight, nothing and win gold. You know, there's, there's hurdles along the way. There are nations that are really strong. And we saw that, you know, we saw a team like Finland who a lot of people were doubting that roster and doubting the decisions that they made, like, you know, cutting Atu Ratu at the beginning of the tournament and leaving some guys out, but they had one hell of a tournament and, you know, one player in particular that I thought, you know, elevated his draft stock like none other was Vili Hainola. Uh, here's a guy that, you know, is a pretty, pretty good Jets prospect. And, you know, this tournament was where he just showed off and that he was clearly an NHL ready defenseman. Uh, so the question I wanted to lay on to you guys was, uh, is there anyone in particular that you think of that, you know, really helped their stock uh, with this tournament? The generic pick and what you guys would assume me, what you would expect me to say would be Anton Lundell. And, and I'm, I can't not say Anton Lundell given how much he was sort of stuff them, but I do think Hanola is one of them. And I think even though he did get, he, uh, Toby Nimala did get the best defense when I honestly thought Vili Hanola was the best all around throughout the, throughout the entire tournament. Uh, Nimala took some penalties. Uh, I didn't find Nimala's decision-making always, um, always the strongest, but well, be careful. Um, Don't say that they're Leaf fans listening. If, if we want to get into it, though, uh, Pud Colson, uh, Vasily Pud Colson by far. And I think for all the talk about him, and this is what we get with players like that, is because he's so gritty and he plays that style, I think people assume he doesn't have the upside when he does have the upside. And I think a lot of the slander that Vancouver took for picking him relatively early, I think that's somewhat eradicated now because of how well he played. And I hope that he continues to play well because the Canucks have a good one. And um, yeah, I'd say him. Just trying to think here. Yeah, I'm. I'm still thinking too. Um, 
I can spell out the names. I'll I'll do myself. Uh, Elmer Soderblom. I think that's the biggest one. Yeah, everyone's talking about him. Like, who's this big guy on Sweden? Uh, I guess he's a forward version of Chara, but it was nothing like that. He showed that you know, being six eight, whatever he is, huge as hell. He had very slick hands. He was a very gifted offensive player. He had the two highlight real goals. Uh, I think he's a guy that you know elevated his draft stock as someone who could actually play in the NHL one day. I actually do see that, you know, and uh, we know with Detroit, they get, they find those gems in the later rounds. And I think he's a guy that, uh, that certainly helped with uh, having a good tournament. Actually, I guess it, it didn't occur to me a, a pretty easy name to throw out there would be Devin Levi. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. He was seventh uh, round pick this year. Um, you know, I, hopefully, I mean, not that I don't fall prey to this because I can't say I watch the CCHL too much, but hopefully it, it'll put some shine a light on some of those leagues. And because especially, I mean, you're, we're going to have a lot of kids that want to take that college route, like look at Alex Newhook too and Dylan Holloway. Um, so you, you got to start looking at these these other leagues. And and yeah, no doubt he improved his draft stock. I mean, Florida's got two solid goaltenders and Sergei Bobrovsky signed for six more years. I don't really know what the thought process is there, but um yeah, Le- Levi looked good. I mean, obviously, his numbers are going to be inflated by how strong Canada played. I mean, what, we didn't let in an even strength goal until that last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, if you sit and watch every play that Levi faced, you know, he looked solid. He looked engaged. Um, and he made some saves that, that you, you wouldn't really expect, I guess, out of a seventh-round pick. So uh, hopefully he can build upon this tournament. I mean, it is just a two-week sample size. But, uh, I mean, there's no doubt after having as strong of a tournament as he did that, that he can roll with this and uh, in, in his college play. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I, and I'm really happy for him too because I found it kind of weird that before the tournament they were literally interviewing the Canadian guys and they were admitting, like, I've never heard of this guy until this tournament – he's really good, but I've never heard of him. You know, I thought that was kind of unnecessary, but listen, everyone heard, has heard of Devin Levi now. So it's good for him. I think if I were, if I were to add one more, I'd probably say uh, Victor Soderstrom, not to say that his, his draft stock was somewhat low, but I just feel like people kind of forget about the Coyotes still have some pretty good prospects. And even though um, Broberg and Edmonton was getting a lot of attention and granted he did play well, I thought that Sweden's best defenseman was uh, Victor Soderstrom. His awareness I thought was, was really, really good. So um, just another addition for me. To to gas up some house people, Kane and Gooley looked fantastic out there. Uh, you know, I was pretty adamant. I was like, you know, I sort of see him as maybe the six, seven, eight defenseman on this team because I, I thought Ryan O'Rourke was going to make the team. I thought he was going to get top four minutes, but that didn't happen. And Kane and Gooley stepped up. He looked outstanding. I know a lot of Habs fans weren't happy with the pick when it happened, but it, it looks to be really good right now. And, you know, uh, down the road when – you know, Montreal doesn't have like a Joel Edmondson there, or Brett Kulak. I think he slides in the top four perfectly for them. And he's going to be a really effective player for them. But uh, moving on to, I guess, prospect pools or I guess teams that had really good showcase at the World Juniors. Uh, what, what are some teams that you thought, you know, had a really good uh, showcase uh, at the tournament? I, I think the first one that comes to mind is Carolina. Yeah. Carolina is the big one. Uh, Noel Gunler. Looked phenomenal. He was probably uh, Sweden's best forward in the round robin. Uh, you look at a guy like uh, Vasily Panamarayev, he looked incredible. And he didn't play a lot of minutes. Like I think he was third, fourth line every now and then. The shorthanded goal was huge. Uh, Ryan Suzuki, he had a pretty good tournament as well. Uh, who else, man? Like 
thinking about it, like Jamison Rees was cut from the team. Yeah. Uh, like Carolina is very deep. Uh, and those are the three players that come to mind for me. Uh, Gunler, Ponomarayev, uh, Suzuki, you know, they, they had a lot of people there and they showed out. Yeah, for, for me, I'd probably lean Carolina, especially Ponomaryov. I thought he was really intense for Russia and sort of a step away from all the attention being on that um, on that top line. Um, let's talk about LA for a second because I know I know Turcotte was was the one who was getting I feel like a lot of attention, but Quinton Byfield was excellent in every single game. He got better and better. And you also had Kaliev there, who uh, was the target of, of a lot of criticism. Um, those are some other ones, and honestly, Winnipeg. Uh, your top two yeah. prospects in Perfetti and in Hainola were outstanding, and they were. I know Perfetti struggled a little bit to get on the board, but Perfetti's really smart. He's a really smart person, and he's an incredibly smart player, very cerebral player. And watching his awareness on the ice, watching watching his decision making, he makes these little tiny passes, these subtle plays that I feel like he's just thinking so many steps ahead. And um, along with Hainola, I thought um, they were really good. And then if I were to give one more, I'm looking at. Uh, looking at my list here. Um, you could say Ottawa because Jake Sanderson was awesome. Jake Sanderson was, was really, really good. Stoops and four to the tournament. Yeah. So those would be my three. I'm kind of, I'm looking through a bunch of prospect pools right now, but, but those would be my main ones for sure. Um, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but we could say Florida again. I mean, yeah. Spencer Knight, Devin Levi and Anton Lundell. There you go. Um, and you know, I think Anton Lindell already is showing that he gets drafted 12th overall is a bit too low. I mean, criticisms, criticisms about offensive upside. Come on. Nah, like nowhere to be found. Goal and yeah. all pretty much, pretty much almost every game. And yeah. he was feeling better. Best player, best forward defensively too in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I, I mean, Spencer Knight, you want to, you want to talk about how much hype there was surrounding goaltenders in this tournament with Knight, Ascara. Uh, Wallstad, even in Blunquist. I mean, two of those guys didn't even play. Askarov was up and down. I thought I thought he looked good in the bronze medal game, actually. But Knight was lights out. You know, he had that rough first game where he got pulled, but but from there he didn't look back, and uh, he certainly looked like uh, the prospect everyone's been making him to be. And yeah, and like I said earlier, like I literally don't know what Florida is doing there with Bobrovsky because you're not going to be able to trade that contract, and I guess you can have Knight split the net, but like how nice would it be in three, four years to have Knight and Levi splitting the net? So, yeah, they, uh, I guess we could also say Toronto as well. Uh, Nemo had a fantastic tournament. Uh, Hirvanen was really good on that top line. Amirov had an okay tournament. I thought he was going to have a little bit better, but he still looked like a first line, uh, first round pick there. Uh, yeah, in general, I think overall it was a good tournament. And for the draft eligibles, I think the only, player that really had a big impact was uh Matty Beniers and then for next year Brad Lambert he looked fantastic he's gonna have a good tournament I guess uh we can talk a little bit about uh the 2022 world juniors uh Kyle I know you're doing an article for that uh I'm really excited for what Canada I was just thinking about it like on the back end it's gonna look really 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 intriguing uh off the top of my head I'm just thinking about it uh, Owen Power, Jamie Drysdale's first pairing, and then second pairing of Caden Gooley, Brant Clark. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Drysdale will be there, but you don't think Drysdale's going to be? I think he's going to be there. You don't think Anaheim will take him? Like having him in the show? By now? I don't think they're going to rush They'll him. Send him, all right. You know what well, I mean? Well, I mean, wow, third tournament. Yeah, that's awesome. Even it, say even Drysdale plays in the NHL, you still have Owen Power, Schneider, and then Brant Clark, Caden Gooley. Looks outstanding, Lambos. and then. 
And then Lambos as well. Ryan O'Rourke, I don't see that guy getting cut next year. Shane Wright. Shane Wright. Come on now. Like, Perfetti's going to be back, that's for sure. Jarfield might be back. Jarvis will be there. Um, He should be there, at least. Some O3s, at least. uh, You know, Sillinger, maybe. Like, the team's going to be really good. Yeah. Yeah, well, Kent Johnson, too. Kent Johnson. Dylan Ginther, too, like yeah. the guys eligible for this year. Oh, yeah. And you imagine and then, Drysdale. I feel like Drysdale's also really good defensively. There's a lot of talk about him being strictly strictly offensive, but he, he played really well defensively. He was holding down the line, like, pretty solid for uh, for Canada this tournament. I thought yeah. that top pairing was immense, like, yeah, dominant. They awesome. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, they're two guys that are known for their offensive exploits, but Bowen Byron particularly, like, Every single rush, he was shutting them he down. He had the best like, scoring chance dominant. last night. Yeah, he had yeah. the best scoring chance. Yeah. He looked then, incredible. Uh, Bowen Byram was by far uh, Canada's best defenseman, I'd say, and then Drysdale was probably like just behind. But uh, if I were to give one knock to Bowen Byram, I think the one knock would be that. Man, it sort of kills me to say it, but I think we saw it in this tournament, and I guess it's not going to happen in Colorado, anyways. But I don't see him as a very good power play quarterback. It, yeah. it was all over the place, that first unit. Uh, I don't see him as a good quarterback. And good thing he won't have to have that role because, you know, Colorado is the best quarterback in the league. Yeah. <laughs> or one of, you know, Kale McCarr. So, uh, yeah, I thought that other than that, I think Byron was incredible. Uh, he looked fantastic. But uh, last night, uh, it just sucked. Like, I, I always think, like, oh, if Laugh and Doc were there, like it would have been different, but then you can say the same for the states. Yeah. If Hughes, if Hughes was there, like cool, maybe it could be a blowout. Like you know, stuff like that. That's why you can't you know think into it, think into it too much. But yeah, overall the tournament was a blast. The hockey was good. No COVID, no positive COVID tests. Can't complain there. That's the other thing. That's that there. There are two things that I feel like I really liked about it, and especially the broadcast is all the all the shoutouts that that TSN did go going to literally every single worker, the the social media people, the the cameraman, literally every single person, and then the fact that the NHL or, or hockey at least um, has has nailed these bubbles. We saw it in the playoffs after, however, was the playoffs for what about a, a month and a half, maybe two months. Yeah. Not a single COVID case. Same thing with this, like h- how well they're managing it, given, you know, I wouldn't have expected a year ago before COVID how the World Juniors would go with the pandemic, and they've just nailed it. So, Yeah, got to respect uh, everyone that put work into this. And um, also, I, I think we should put some respect into the broadcast. Uh, I think TSN oh, yeah. did a phenomenal job um, with, with what they, they were handed. I think they had a few hiccups. Uh, like there, there are a few moments, like I support media students, you see it. And it's like, oof, like you could have done this here, could have done that there. There were a lot of like uh, errors on the broadcast. Like, do you guys remember the Bowen Byram one on New Year's Eve? It was like Bowen Yam. Like <laughs> it said, literally said Yam. And then the country under instead of Canada, it said United States. And then like, even like when they were show the rankings, like the standings, uh, they would have Switzerland with the Germany flag. And, yeah, I did see yeah. that. It was all over yeah. the place, but. Obviously, we're nitpicking here, or I'm nitpicking at least, because we're sport media <laughs> students, and we sort of do that on as assignments sometimes, which is, you know, a little repetitive. But you sort of see stuff like that. And uh, overall, I just want to give a shout out to TSN. I know they're listening. <laughs> I know they're listening. So uh, shout out to you guys. You guys made uh, another incredible World Junior tournament. Ray, Ray, and Gord are awesome. Uh, and yeah, 
Uh, I guess we could touch on the fantasy team, and I think we should be good to go for episode, uh, I guess this is five, but uh, yeah, let's go through the fantasy teams once again. Uh, yeah, we don't have to, you know. Uh, we should. <laughs> uh, the doc injury, you know, obviously I'm going to keep using that excuse, but it is what it is. <laughs> Turcotte had a good tournament, so I can't complain, right? Turcotte was uh, great, Egris, yeah. Egris and Cousins, but so in third place uh, was Mr. Kyle Watson. He had Cole Caulfield who finished the tournament five points. Cole Perfetti, who finished the tournament with five points. Rodion Amarov with six points. Anton Lindell, who was his flex, six points. Bowen Byram, five points. And Victor Sotish from five points. So overall, a really good tournament from Kyle. Yeah, consistent. Uh, Wallstedt got no points. He was 0-1, but that happens. Uh, you know, Hugo, How many total points? Hugo Anafelt. So he had a total of 32 points. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, second place was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you want to say anything uh, about, oh, about the tournament? I, I was just going to say, obviously, um, I'm agreeing with your earlier statement that Bowen Byram isn't a great power play quarterback. I was mm-hmm. expecting Yeah, him. I was expecting like, you know, 10, 12 points, you know, especially yeah. being on that PP1. It's like, you know, how do you not like, you know, light up the lamp, light up the score sheet? But hey. And and I guess you got unlucky too with the DAC injury, but mm-hmm. uh, Cole, Cole Caulfield got unlucky. I mean, he had so many chances post hit. I guess I'm just glad I didn't pick Connor McMichael because holy smokes, yeah, that guy. That would have that been. And I remember, I remember when we did the draft, you were like, hey, you know, I should have picked McMichael. That would have been an easy choice. Well, well that aged well for you. Yeah. Lucky you. All right. So second place was myself. Uh, I had Alex Turcott replace Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc was going to have 100 points in this tournament, so I'm, I'm sad. But, hey, you know, top three pick for Chicago next year, so that's good. Uh, Turcotte, eight points, finished. He was awesome in the, the semifinal game and, you know, the, the gold medal game. So, Alexander Holtz, bit of a rough tournament. Uh, it's tough when you lose your top two centers and it's sort of last minute, but, uh, you know, it happens. But Cole's in four points. I thought he was going to get a little more points, but – he looked fantastic, and, you know, I love the heart that he played with. We, we got to get him in North America ASAP. He plays, like, what, four minutes a night in the KHL? If he plays, if that, like, in, if he plays in like uh, with uh, Vancouver or even – who's Vancouver's uh, HL Utica. team? Utica. The Comets? Utica, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he probably plays 20 minutes a night there, and he puts up however many points. He'd be awesome. Cam York finished with six points. Awesome performance from him. It was a little bit shaky defensively at times. Uh, Henry th- uh, thrown on that uh, semifinal game almost cost him the game, but huh, it happened. Uh, I think he's going to have a good uh, rest of the year at Michigan. They're going to have a good team. Thomas Harley, two assists. I did see a tweet this morning that I was like, I agreed with instantly. Uh, he was decent defensively, but I think what happened in this tournament, he was coached out of his uh, skill set, which is another reason why I think that it's good to have a development program because instead of having all these different skill sets and trying to mold them together and force them together and, you know, try to make it work. If you have like a, like a playing style that you instill in your program all the way through 16 to 20, you're not going to have that problem. And I think Thomas Harley sort of dealt with that situation where he's an offensive defenseman. He loves to skate with the puck. He loves to rush with the puck. And when he makes stuff happen like that, he's a terrific defenseman and Dallas seems to think so too. And I think in this tournament, he was too, defensively minded like he was trying not to make any mistakes he was trying too hard you know try to play too perfect that's what can happen to canada in general so he had a rough tournament uh hey uh my my big pick was spencer knight and it worked out perfectly uh i don't know if you guys remember in the draft it was i don't know if i should pick a scar or knight i'm gonna pick the one that's gonna go farther in the tournament and spencer knight it looked a little rough with uh 
the first game when he got lit up by Russia. But, hey, you know, five wins to end off the tournament and three shutouts, like, I'll take those points. And then finally, Alex Newhook, six points. Uh, he used, you know, Canada's uh, most effective forwards, and he should have been cut last year, and he had a good performance this year. And I think uh, Boston College is going to have just as good a year as like he did last year whenever they do end up playing, and it was good. So uh, 37 points for me. And then uh, last but not least, first place, Patrick, congratulations. You win nothing, but let's go through your roster. Let's do it. So Zegris, 18 points. Oh. I mean, you know, like, like there's not much else to say. Uh, Cousins, 16 points, like <laughs> not much else to say, you know, look good. Last night, a little bit different story. Yeah. Didn't show that game breaking, uh, you know, no. uh, element to his game that he's shown in the past and sad, but that's why you miss a guy like Doc and laugh. They, they sort of bring that element. Byfield was that last night, just couldn't get it going. Mm-hmm. The, how how awesome was it when you guys saw him just run over Drew Hellison? Malkin. Evgeny Malkin is my only response. That was insane. That was insane. That was that was hype. He dumps it in and just blows him up. <laughs> like, sorry. See ya, buddy. Anyways, uh, Sanderson, two points. He looked good defensively. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking back. I probably should have picked Broberg because I think he went undrafted. I thought I don't know. I guess I thought Sanderson would ha- produce a little bit more offensively, and I didn't expect Broberg to go, you know, to be that dominant. I guess earlier in the earlier rounds, but you anyway, should have Sam- picked Topi Nemo, man, or Nemo, really, yeah, yeah. But Leaf prospects, whatever. Drysdale, two <laughs> points. Uh, hey, you looked way. He was. I guess he was more in a defensive situation than he was yeah. offensive. He wasn't really looking to rush the puck like what he does in Erie. Uh, Erie, he sort of has to because he's that main guy. He's, yeah. he's the heart and soul of that team, so he's got to do something. So he finished off with two points. Skarov with three wins. Uh, yeah, like, you know, he sort of had an up-and-down tournament. Uh, to say that he's a bust is just stupid. Like, yeah, we let's talk about that. Can we talk yeah. about that? Oh, um, for sure. This kind of speaks to the bigger the bigger discussion, not specifically to Askarov, but how claims are made about prospects. I and mean, we saw it last night. I know a lot of people were ripping into. <laughs> I'm it. glad. I'm glad the internet scouts are gone. It's, <laughs> and, it's yeah. over. We don't. Have to and and I know people were ripping into Jack Quinn, especially. Jack Quinn is not why they lost last night's game. Jack Quinn is not the reason they um, they didn't that he didn't cost them. The game wasn't on his stick. Like there are a bunch there are a bunch of things to talk about here. And I feel like Askarov, same thing. Askarov struggled and last year I know he struggled a lot and I felt that he was 17 last term and I thought maybe coming to this one he'd be a little more dominant and he, he played better but it almost seemed like he was too too focused and too too aware and I he didn't relax in some situations but I just feel like again we have to remember and this is the takeaway from every single tournament and I feel like I, I end up saying this every single world juniors they're kids they're 18 years old you know developmental curves are so different for every single player. And that's not to take, that's not to say that you can't criticize a player. That's not to say that a player didn't play poorly or a player did play well, but how I'm curious to see now that this is over, whose stock is going to rise significantly um, out of the eligibles in 2021 and 2022 after this tournament. And I just feel like, again, this tournament is two weeks. It's two weeks long, you know, but I think like people got to keep that in mind before we make claims, especially with a scar off, like looking at the car hall cup. Amazing. Incredible. You know? And the KHL this year. Incredible. Yeah. You know? So let's, uh, I, I think a scar, I think Preds fans have a good goalie in a scar off. Like a great goalie. Nothing to worry about there. So, yeah. And don't forget, he's got one more tournament under his belt uh, next year. Um, yep. I think 
like, you know, I don't want to criticize God here because Ray Ferraro is a phenomenal color commentator, but he was ripping into a scar off. Ripping in him. And, and it was it, like... It wasn't, it wasn't just his fault, you know? Like, Russia was playing very poorly. Russia you know? was the most inconsistent team, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Russia and Sweden. I'd say those Sweden, two. Sweden too. Sweden. And kind of Finland, actually. Maybe all three. But, like, that game against the Czechs, that was one of the most pathetic games I've seen Russia play. They didn't do anything. They didn't try anything new. Mm-hmm. They were just shooting it from the perimeter and doing and getting a bunch of shots off from the point. Like... But yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. I kind of cut you off. Well, no, I like I was just gonna say like I didn't expect it from him. Like, I mean, like he was saying stuff like, "Oh, the Preds need to work on this and that. Like, they need to work on making sure he's calm in the net." And it's like, do you watch him other than the World Juniors? Like, yeah, that's what it is. Like, no one has seen him. Like, everyone's calling him a bust after a two week tournament. It's like. Like he's playing in the second best league in the world in the KHL. He's playing against grown men. Former NHLers, players, some players that have dominated the World Juniors before, and he has a point nine two save uh, goals against average. Like what? Like that's unheard of, you know. As a, especially as an eighteen year old too, and to say that he's a bust after a two week tournament where you know the the players in front of him weren't playing very good, and he's sort of left, left hung out to dry at times. Like uh, I I think I tweeted this to Tony Ferrari, and he sort of agreed with us uh, with me on it, but. I think what happened with Askarov, which is what happens to a lot of beer league goalies, like NHL beer league goalies that end up uh, dropping down after they're done, they, they get caught with the weirdest, with the weakest goals. So uh, that theory is uh, you're used to, you know, having these grown men, these big dudes like shoot at you, former NHLers, and you're used to the, you know, their velocity of shot and like, you know, the, the quality of scoring chances and whatnot. And uh, then when you go to the world juniors, which is, realistically like a a tier below of what he's been used to playing with you know you're sort of expecting something and then it's that little flutter puck that gets by you and I'm sure Kyle you get it as a goalie it's like you're expecting like a big bomb and the goal that gets by you is some weak flutter shot that you weren't expecting and that's what happens to a lot of goalies and I think that's what happened to Skarov so uh, I think that's what happened to him I think that's a fitting theory um towards what towards what Ray was saying. I think Ray's message was, was accurate. I think he just didn't come out right. Like mm-hmm. um, I think it would have been fair to say like, listen, this guy's so good everywhere else. What's up with the world juniors. This is two yeah. tournaments now. I'm right. But you're right. That, that that's the criticism of him is that he's jumpy in the net. Right. And then he's mm-hmm. never looked calm and mm-hmm. he's always on his toes and, and that you're right. Maybe he's expecting more. So that's an interesting theory. One I haven't heard before, but um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I hope he comes back uh, next year and and just shows out shows a tournament that puts the two tournaments behind us and and everyone's thinking about the 2022 tournament he has. Yeah, I I think that he should be fine. I that that's why I think that's my only knock on Ray was that he didn't mention how good Askarov was at the Carhalla Cup uh, a bunch or the KHL. So now people have this perception, all the casual hockey fans, that oh the press drafted a bust, you know. Or the dress, the the Preds drafted a shit goalie, you know that type of thing. So uh, I hope uh, he shuts uh, those doubters up because I really think that he's a very good goalie, and I think he could be, you know, a number one goalie for a very long time. So at the same time, like I don't want to to rant into Canadian sports journalism, mm-hmm. but did you not see the article was like uh, 
I don't think it was Sportsnet or TSN. It was a blog, but it was like, is Devin Levi the next Carey Price? And yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, that like, same on, website man. is saying Askarov is a bust. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my goodness. And that's the thing, like, it's such a short term. I'm glad the internet scouts are gone. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and just, I don't know, like, Zegers was kind of right in a way. That oh, he was a thousand Le- percent right. Levi played well. And the, and the amount of shots he stopped, but the quality of shots he stopped, they weren't anything of, they weren't in, a lot of them weren't in like the, between the hash marks. He wasn't tested that much and people were pissed off. And I think that's more because of how Zegris said it. And I know he kind of has that demeanor that kind of irritates people, but he was right, man. He was right. And, and, and no, like, you know, Devin Levi is not a better, better goaltender than, than Yaroslav Askarov because of all this. He's not. So, um, I'm with how, you. How about the? Th- how about? Did you guys see what uh, Fatisov said? No. How crazy that was! Did you guys didn't see what he said? I did not. Oh, goodness, this guy said. So, Stanislav Fatisov. If you guys don't know who that is, uh, I'm sure. Oh, Kyle and Patrick know because you guys are hockey junkies. But uh, you know, uh, Hall of Fame defenseman, uh, Soviet Union captain, uh, played for Detroit, played for New Jersey, won cups. You know, one of Russia's greatest defensemen, right? He said that. No one on Russia's roster would have made Canada's roster. Oh, I did see this. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said. And I was like, well, that's just wrong. Uh, yeah. Say this tournament is beginning day one. You have all the Russian players, all the Canadian players. Podkolzin makes that team instantly. He is, he's on that team right away. He's a top six forward. No doubt. Like Canada doesn't have anyone like that. Like a big winger that can do it all and has that type of leadership. No. Like you could argue that's what they that were team. missing too. They didn't have who was the four, byfield kind of, but not 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 through the full sixty. Amirov, he he makes that team. He probably Amirov makes, makes that team. team. Askarov makes the team. Askarov is the number one goalie, like from the from the beginning of it. He gets the Carter Hart treatment. And like, you could oh, argue Kusendinov makes that team too. Oh, man. He, he makes was, that team considering too. Considering how good he Amirov was for Russia, you know. Yeah, it's like to say that about your country. It's like come on. Like Askarov, if he's on Canada's team, like he's yeah, he's getting that Carter Hart treatment. Like this, it, this is his net. Like no one's taking it from him, and we're gonna go from there. Like this is our best goaltending prospect in ages, and we are gonna ride with them. That's why I was okay with Russia. Like, you know, not going to uh, Oktyamov or, or uh, the least prospect. Like, mm-hmm. This is your best prospect in years since Vasilevsky, since Samsonov. You are gonna ride him, and that's what they did. And you know. It happens, and we'll see what happens to Russia next year. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Byfield, seven points, though. That was you, and you had a total of 53 points. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think you won. Yo. You don't win anything, but you won. That's okay. I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Oh, yeah. Man. So, yeah. I mean, we had a really good tournament. It was all a lot of fun. Uh, I think that should do it for episode five. You guys, you guys are good with uh, everything we said today? Any yeah. any last, any last uh, words before we – Close the chapter on the 2021 World Juniors. I'm just ready to look forward to 2022. I mean, yeah. you're going to have Shane Wright. You might even, Shane Wright might be joined by Savoie or Bedard, who knows. And then the States will have McGrory and Russia might have Mishkov. So they will, Mishkov and Mirashenchenko do not get cut from that team. No. Nope. They're the next, they will be there. I think Rutger will be there. Uh, he's he's going to, he's going to be a lot of fun there. That's for sure. Uh, that 03 U.S. group is going to be a lot of fun. And then you had Beneers there. You had Bordalo. Uh, you had Berard. Like, yeah, they're still going to be good next year. Uh, 
Who's going to be the goalie? I guess Drew Camiso. Yeah. Yeah, Drew Camiso is going to be the goalie for for the U.S. Uh, uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, it was a blast. Uh, I love the World Juniors. You guys love the World Juniors. And it's been an honor to bring you guys, you know, coverage throughout the, the event. And, you know, if you're still listening at this point of the podcast, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we feel, we truly feel that there's something special here and we're going to oh, continue yeah. to build on that. And uh, before we uh, say goodbye on episode five, uh, I, I do want to say thank you to everyone that's helped out with the podcast. Uh, Pat, uh, Kyle, you guys, you know, do a lot uh, behind the scenes as well. That really makes this pod, you know, a lot of fun and a lot, very productive and especially producer Connor, you know, he's the one going through everything, making sure we all sound good and making sure the sound bites are off. So uh, appreciate him a lot. You know, it's uh, it's good to know because he's, he's got one hell of a resume with, with the producing. He does uh, the staff and graph podcast and now he does in the system. Oh, yeah. and those are two of the biggest prospect uh, podcasts out there. So, oh yeah. There you uh, go. Luke as well. These, these Luke graphics, as well. man. He does especially... an incredible job we're, with the graphics. We're doing, we're sometimes it's, I'm like, there have been at least one time, maybe two times where I've been like, Hey, I need a graphic for like a couple hours. Yeah, Cause I forgot second. to text him. He crunches them out instantly and they're awesome. And they fit the theme of yeah. our, of our page. So shout out to Luke as well for doing all this. He does stuff for over the line sports. Um, and yeah, so shout out to Luke as well. Yeah. Shout out to big, uh, Luke. He, uh, he, uh, probably had a good time watching the world juniors this year. Pot goals don't look great. So Vancouver's got a really good guy there, but other than that, uh, I'm Rain Hernandez. Joined uh, with me as always is Kyle Watson and Patrick Talon. And we will see you guys in episode six.